and Mickey. What up? Dude, it's been a while, but I've been, it's like, we're, we're now past Halloween. And so mm. I really spent October watching a ton of shit. A lot of it I've seen, a lot of it I've, well, actually, only a few movies I haven't seen, but I'll go through the first one that I had never seen before, which was The Wailing. Oh, I, you know, you're not, not the first person who's told me they just watched that. Yo, terrifying. Yeah, it's uh, good. Like, terrifying and, and brutal, I would say. Yeah. And I heard that this was pretty scary from a lot of people, but you know when you get to a certain point where you watch so many movies and you're like, what is scary to me may not be scary to others, and I don't trust other people anymore. But this one... This one, the whole time, I think I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, oh, yeah. my God. Terrifying. Stuck with me. Also, like, a like a psychological, like, t- mind terror to where, like, I thought about it. I've still been thinking about it. Yeah. It's a good great, one. great movie. Um, I did watch No One Will Save You, which is that new movie on Hulu that has no dialogue. Have you seen it yet? It's, a, it's like an alien horror sci-fi movie. It's actually pretty good. The uh, young lady in it, who I can never remember her name, she's really great. She's in a lot of stuff up and coming. She was in Booksmart. Um, okay. You know, she was the other one in Booksmart besides, like, yeah. Beanie, whatever her name is. Beanie something. Yeah, Kate, yeah. And Caitlin, jo- Caitlin yeah. Dever is her name. Um, yeah. It was it was interesting. I, I think I had uh, heard that it didn't have any dialogue going into it, so... I was expecting it, and I really just wanted to see how the movie flowed with it. I think there's some... I, I'm honestly not sure if I like that part of it. I, I don't know if I'm like, oh, it's better without dialogue. Uh, but because a lot of the stuff, the plot in, in the movie was answered later on. And so even if you're like, I don't understand what they're saying, you still get it from you know the images and the way people are acting. And then it kind of reveals itself at the end. But... I don't know. I liked it. I, I think some people were being like, it's brilliant. But it's like there are other way more important movies without dialogue or, you know, yeah. stuff like that that uh, were better. But it was a it was a fun movie. I like that actress. Um, and then for my other movies, like my Halloween movies, I watched Dark City, which I really wanted to show someone it. Um, but, you know, me, I love the 90s and I love the 90s cheese. And it's definitely, like, an alternative science fiction movie. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's cheesy. Mm-hmm. I, I love that movie. I don't I don't. It find might be a, a little bit at the end, you know, when they're, like, he's, like, mind yeah, okay, controlling. Yes. And he's, like, yes. like, with his yeah. one eye, you know, like. Uh, so I watched Dark City. The Faculty, which was honestly way more enjoyable now that it's been, like, years since I've watched it. Fun as fuck. Robert Rodriguez. I, I love that movie. I, I watched it, was, it a few years ago, and I was yeah, like, this is great. It holds up. It really does. It's super fun. Um, I watched The Exorcist 2 and 3, and now I think somewhere in my mind I have seen 2, but I totally forgot about it, and it's way less of a horror movie than I think I wanted it to be. I feel like they could have gone so many places um, with The Exorcist 2 that they just didn't. Um, it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's super bad. Uh I still liked the idea of it, I think. Like, I like the whole hypnotism thing because it's very, like, time period focused. Sure. But that's uh, That was never my problem. My problem is, is Linda Blair saying, oh, I was possessed by a demon. It's okay now. And it's like, 
Man, that's the dialogue that they're going to have her saying. Cool. Well, they do it very nonchalantly, which also <laughs> makes me, it, it's really funny. It, it reminds me of the time period where maybe, like, you know, you're getting to the end of the hippie, I guess, like, hippie children. And so I guess <clears throat> everything's acceptable. And now they're going into, like, mind control and, like, m- mind sharing, which I do like the synopsis. I just wish it was done better. But Richard Burton's in it, which is, like, the funniest thing. He plays a priest, and he's, like really dramatic um oh. but exorcist 3 and i kept telling my friend i was like listen you don't have to watch exorcist 2 to watch exorcist 3 no you don't and they still wanted to go in order which i respect i do respect it but exorcist 3 is so fucking good i think it's so underrated uh and i think i talked about this maybe a few years ago because i think did we do exorcist 3 no we've okay. we only talked about it okay so we'll, we'll talk about it again in this aspect but exorcist 3 is fucking terrifying it's brutal and it's mean and it's scary. I mean, I don't like old people. I don't like old people in any horror movie, to be honest. Yeah, but you know, it's funny. I, I will disagree. I don't think it's mean. I actually think it's got more. I don't know. Maybe it's because I can't relate to having a kid. So it, you know, the whole like drama between like Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair and Exorcist 1, I don't, it doesn't hit me as hard. Whereas like the relationship between George C. Scott and I'm forgetting, I'm drawing a blank of his name, but his, the, his the friend priest. who's the priest, yeah. who's supposed to be, they're both both playing characters from the first movie, or from the book, but, like, their relationship, and, like, George C. Scott's reaction to when his friend dies, like, he has this great outburst in this, in, like, like they're they're in this room, and, like, the, the guy who runs the hospital is, like, he's yelling, and all these people are yelling, and George C. Scott just fucking, like, explodes for a moment. Yeah. And then, like, and re- and then collects himself, but he's, like, because he just saw his friend's body just getting wheeled by in, like, a body bag, and, like, that to me, so I, I feel like it's a really emotional movie. Like, I, I, I think, I get what you're saying about it being mean, but I feel like it's more, it's got more well, heart. Uh, yeah, no, I see what you're saying, and I feel the same, but opposite and more of like it's centered around this cop and then whatever's happening is directly related to the cop like he's like we're just gonna kill everyone you know we're gonna kill your best friend in the most brutal awful way possible um so i thought that was mean sure (laughs) no i what else uh okay so watch the church for the first time in a few years which still, like, it takes a while to get there. Like, after a while, you're like, we fucking know. Every, th- we, kn- we know what's happening. Can we just get there? But the end is still, like, you're still like, um, Also, the Goblin score, amazing. Sure, sure. Um, Michele Sovai. So, Soavi, yeah. So, I, think, <laughs> yeah. I still can't pronounce his name right. But it's um, also, like, it's like I think it's some goblin, and I also think it was also Heath Emerson from Emerson, Lincoln Palmer. It was, like, a bunch of different people. But, yeah, that score is, mwah. It is, poof. It's great. Love, Everything yeah. around that time period was also good. Oof. And the design of the church is really cool. Uh, there's, like, a lot of cool things. That I just feel like it takes a really long time to get there when we already know what's going on. Um, watch the Beyond also haven't seen in a few years definitely a good one scary and gross see that one that's the one i feel the the way you feel about the church i feel about the beyond where i just i feel like there's a lot of you know it's a slow burn for me sometimes i don't know why because it's a lot a lot of shit happens but pacing wise just i'm just like <sighs> okay <laughs> i love it but i mean like it's just it, it can it's a harder one for me to get through than like church or the church or uh 
Any of the really? other Fulci? Yeah, well, we I don't did know. the other Fulci. What one did we do? City of the City of the Living Dead. I like. I really like the Beyond way better than I like City of the Living Dead, even though there was. Yeah. Like, I think the maggot thing is funny. Um, and I also did Bordello of Blood and Demon Night, which we did a few years ago or a year yeah. ago. I don't even know y- years. It was so. We literally did it in your apartment. <laughs> like that's oh, wow. how long okay. ago it was. Yeah. Yeah, so to to put it into perspective, uh, yeah. Bordello of Blood is still super fucking funny, and I think sometimes it gets overshadowed by Demon Knight. Uh, but I actually really liked Bordello of Blood this time along. Um, what's his name? Dennis Miller. A little too much, but pretty funny. Although I think uh, we might have talked about this last time, but pretty much a conservative now, a neoconservative, which is hilarious. Well, I you know it's funny because I I think we talked about this when we did the episodes. Like I always I didn't. I don't think it's he's a he's conservative now. I think he's always been, and we just didn't realize it because he was like well, on SNL, which is you like, know it teeters on like neoliberalism. So like it makes sense that he's a conservative now. But yeah, because I just watched some of his old stuff, and I was like, you know, I think right around the time we watched Bordello Books, I was like, man, have I always has Dennis Miller always been like this? And I just never wanted yeah. to believe it. And then I watched his old stuff, and I was like, oh, he's always been kind of like this, you know. It's just that now that like since you know. You know, in the past like twenty years, he's just been way more like yeah, outspoken about it. About yeah, about his shitty ass views. Yep. Um, still a fun movie though, especially especially a fun double feature. And Demon Knight is always good. I've seen it probably a hundred times. It's great. And it's always gonna be good. Billy Zane, man, the most handsome and like soft spoken. Like when he's speaking to me, I would immediately give it up. I'd just be like, yeah. "Come in, you can have whatever you want as long as you speak to me forever." Um, and then another movie that I didn't see before was Hell Night with Linda Blair. Oh, what'd you think? I I really liked it, to be honest. It's like a fun high school, like, kind of slashery movie that takes place in, like, an abandoned mansion. High school, college, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's a, okay, so the first time I saw that was at a marathon at, like, 233 in the morning and that felt like a slow burn because it is kind of like it's it takes a while to like build up and like so at three o'clock in the morning i'm just like oh for the love of god something's got to happen and then when it does i'm like this is great i love that movie but um it, that's also a slow burn for me yeah it is it is slow it is kind of funny i forgot that linda blair had a career besides the exorcist <laughs> Even yeah. though, and I was I was talking about the Sarah T, the alcoholic one, because I was like, those are the the only two movies I ever saw of hers was like, The Exorcist, and then the teen alcoholic movie that they showed in class. They showed yeah. it to me in class, and so uh, well, I forgot that she was in a bunch of other shit. She's in a movie that I would recommend to very few people, but I would recommend to you because I think you would enjoy it. Uh, called Savage Streets, where she's mm-hmm. in it. It's like the cover had her holding a crossbow, like wearing this like skin tight, like, and Sick. it's like, yeah, it's it's a you know it's a rape revenge movie where like her, her sister, her and her like girl click like run afoul of like these, basically like they gotta be like thirty year old dudes that are going to her high school that their own their own little gang and they <laughs> fuck with them like in Hollywood Boulevard, and then they the gang retaliates by like you know, uh, sexually assaulting her deaf mute sister and oh throwing God. her pregnant best friend over a bridge. So when Linda Blair goes into like full revenge mode, she like 
goes into full revenge. But there's like a great quote from that movie where she she's about to kill one of the guys, and she's like, "It's too bad you're not double jointed." And he's like, "Why is that?" And she's like, "Because then you, if you were, you could bend over and kiss your ass goodbye." And I was like, "Woo, yep, that's pretty I'm good." In. I'm yeah, in. that makes me want to watch it alone. <laughs> yeah, it, get, check it out. It's like I said, I wouldn't recommend because it's it's you know it's it can be a little rough and not rough in like a emotional sense but like a rough and like oh man this is just clear exploitation you know like there's no there's no light soft touch to some of these scenes it's like and you know and and it's clearly directed by a guy it's written by a guy you know when when women or when girls high school girls fight in the locker room or in gym they of course have to like tear each other's tops off it's that type of movie but the revenge stuff is fucking rad and it's and linda blair is like you know she's not gonna she wasn't going to go home with the Oscar, but holy shit, man. I love that movie. Um, so you should watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't sounds, recommend to everybody. It sounds good. I think I will watch it. Um, also in the theater, I saw finally Killers of the Flower Moon, um, Scorsese's long ass movie uh, about the Osage in Oklahoma. Did you see it yet? No. I it's didn't. actually okay. It. It, it does flow really well. I think his last movie, a lot of people complained about the length, too. But this one, it, it flowed well enough to where I didn't really feel like it was almost a four-hour movie. Um, I don't exactly know how I feel about the end. They kind of did this, like, true crimey, like, old-school, um, like, radio show type of ending to give the update of the end. But I don't actually know if that was necessary also, it had a lot of um, musical cameos in it, like Jason Isbell and uh, Sturgill Simpson is in it, and um, someone else. I can't remember it now. How but... pissed was he that he couldn't use the Rolling Stones in it? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't in some in some aspects. But it yeah. is it is a hard movie to watch, and um, I read a little bit about it too. And then you just continue to think about how fucked up Oklahoma is. I think it is an important movie, probably for white people to see, <laughs> because they might be able to gain some semblance about what the uh, what Americans and especially the American government let go of and did yeah. to Native people. Um, great. Um, acting from everyone involved, uh, it it's a good movie. If it's his one of his last, then I'm glad I saw it. Um, mm. I do I do think it's worth seeing in the theater, especially. Okay. And then I think that's it. I don't even know what did you watch. What have you? Been um. Watching? Well, in LA we had Beyond Fest. Oh. Which you know we've talked about every year. Yeah, and I miss, and I don't. I want to pretend it's not happening, so I don't. I can't remember. I don't think I had gone by when last time when we recorded City of the Living Dead. So Mm -hmm. I didn't. I don't think I talked about this, but yeah, we talked a little bit about it because there's some showings that I was very jealous of. But it it hadn't happened yet, right? I don't think. I can't remember, but I anyway. So I went to the most important thing that I went to, and I think I would say this is probably the most important thing I went to in the theaters in years. Was it was a four film retrospective of Roger Corman and it was three movies that he produced and then one that he directed and it was um Rock and Roll High School which was the main reason why I was going because it's in my it's one of my all-time favorite movies and um the last time I had a chance to go see it was 
at the new Bev when they were showing that and Get Crazy, also by Alan Arkish, the director. And I happened to have COVID. Like that the, that day, I was like, I tested po- negative the day before. So the day of the show, I was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to test myself just to make sure so I'm not an asshole and showing up being super sick. And then sure enough, I was positive. So I missed out. And so I was like, okay, I got to see Rockman High School. And then it was Grand Theft Auto, which is uh, Ron Howard's directorial debut. And that was probably like the high, one of the highlights of that whole Ford picture thing because um, I like Ron Howard. I like I like him as a person more than I like him as a director. Mm. Like I'm not a big fan of a lot of his movies. I love Willow, but I love Willow. I like Apollo 13. <laughs> just but he's got like he's got a certain style that and a, and a certain story. You know, like a, the stories that he likes to tell that I'm not really. Something I don't find them interesting. It's just that like they're very saccharine they're very sweet you know yeah um very sentimental they're a little too sentimental for me and like i just but grand theft auto was fucking great and i was blown away and i had so much fun watching and again i like ron howard like i feel like between american graffiti happy days and arrested development i mean like the guy can do no wrong for me you know it's like every time i hear his voice i just i feel cozy you know um and him and, and alan arkish came out before rock and roll high school and talked about that and then Ron Howard came out before Grand Theft Auto and talked about that, oh, which that's is really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then they played Piranha, Joe Dante's Piranha. And then the last movie was The Raven, which was uh, Corman directed, Vincent Price, Peter Lorre, um, Boris Karloff, and Jack Nicholson were in it. And and then at the end of the whole thing, the guests were, you know, Alan Arkish was already there. He came out, Ron Howard. Um, Amy Taylor Jones, who directed um, Summer Party Massacre. Oh, cool. And or Amy Holden Jones, sorry. And then um and then uh, Joe Dante was there, and then Roger Corman, who was like, that's pretty ninety seven. And it was like Holy I was like, it, getting to see him live was like a big fucking deal for me. Like I got really kind of emotional because it's like he's ninety seven years old. This guy's a fucking legend. And like it wasn't like he was like. Night, you know, he had no idea where he was. Like, he was very, like, he, like, they were like, Roger, like, tell us about how you got started in film. And he just, like, went to this whole story that I was just like, Better than when still... we saw Dario Argento and he was just like, I love beautiful women. Way, and that was, like, pretty much it. <laughs> way better. And, like, and it's also, again, like, Corman's, like, 96, 97 years old. And he's still, like, if, if you were to tell me, like, oh, yeah, he's still producing stuff left and right. Like, he's probably, oh, yeah, he left the Arrow and he went to a fucking production meeting. I'd believe it because he's just that with it, you know, and it really made me happy. Um, so that was, like, a big deal, getting to see him live and getting to hear him talk. Um, like, one of the best things I've ever had, I've ever had happen in L.A. And then uh, that was going to be it because, like, with Beyond Fest, it's like, you know, the way their ticketing has been the past few years, it's like, you find the one thing you want to go to, and you just try to get a ticket to that. You know, I know. God forbid there's, like, multiple things because it's just, right. like, hell. I don't know. they got to do better. Or maybe it will be better once the Egyptian is up and running for next yeah, year maybe. with the double uh, theater thing again. Well, yeah, and if they keep the business at Los Feliz 3, then they'll have three to spread out, you know? But, like... Um, but the buddy of mine was like, you know, our friend Diego, who's on this, the podcast, he was like, hey, do you want to go see The Wicker Man? There's a do they did a, like a restoration of it. And I was like, well, yeah, and I was like, I was another one of the ones I wanted to go to. But again, I had to be I had to choose. So we went to see The Wicker Man 4K restoration. One of my favorite films. Um, and it was cool. I got to win. I won a 4K Blu-ray of it. That was cool because um, I answered a trivia question. And um 
And then that was it for Beyond Fest. Like, and I, and I don't feel bad about that. But then, literally every fucking day of October, I was watching at least one movie. And so I revisited some. I even uh, Diego and I had a deal, you know, because we went to go see The Cure. And as as the you know, and he bought the ticket, so I'm like, I'm paying him back in in time. But until I've until I've honored that debt, he's forcing me to watch movies that I can't stand. Like I know what she did last summer, which I was the first Why? time I'd you seen. Why you can't stand it? Which was the first time I'd seen it since I saw it in the theater, and I seeing it again as an as a, you know more grown up, I was like, okay, this isn't that bad. I still I still have certain problems with it, and I still feel like, man, I care way more. Like the Sarah Michelle Gellar Ryan Phillippe subplot of like them being a couple, them breaking up, and then like before well, when they're you know being chased by this killer, they suddenly kind of like have a moment again like that to me was far more interesting than anything going on with Freddie Prince Jr. or or Jennifer Love Hewitt um like the whole sequence and everything like that was just I was like oh I really the parade and all that stuff yeah I, I liked that fun I've always liked that series it, to be honest it, it, well I haven't seen the sequels I but I, I gave the first one a, a, a revisit and I was pleasantly surprised I also gave a movie that I hadn't seen since I saw it in the theater when it came out um and enjoyed it just as much as I did when I saw it in the theater, which was fi- the first Final Destination. I, was I like, okay, I've rewatched that. I didn't mention it because I've rewatched it like probably a hundred times, especially two and three because they also include the other scary moments like the logs. Um, yeah, but... Coming I, off the truck. It, but the first for one me, great. Yeah, but for me, like I feel like the reason why I didn't see the sequels either is because I'm like, if, if you're not going to have Devin Sawa in it, what's the fucking point? You know, like... I like his like his his character makes that whole fucking story for me it, you know more interesting. Um, I still really enjoyed Final Destination, and then like there was ones I had never seen before. Yeah, uh, I'd never seen Dust Devil before, which is Richard oh, the, Stanley. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, oh, you never seen Dust Devil? No, and that I was, was cool. And it was really um, cool. And he did Color Out of Space more recently. I think that was his yes. first movie well, in like that was, a billion years. I think that that was one that was the one of the two last movies I'd seen pre-pandemic in the theater before you know everything shut down. So I love Colorado Space, um, but um, and I don't really like his movie Hardware. Like I think it's a great movie to watch with the volume down and something else on, like yeah. music on. Visually, it's awesome. But like Dust Devil, I actually really liked. Um, I had never seen When a Stranger Calls Back, which was the sequel to When a Stranger Calls. Oh, I don't think and, I've seen that either. It is fucking great. I was really impressed with how good that was. And I was really? surprised that it, it, it originally had gotten released as like a Showtime original movie. They had Carol Kane in it. Charles Durning came back. Um, Jill Sholin from Popcorn and Stepfather. She's in it. And she's like the new... She's the girl that's getting... Who has the experience with somebody, you know, like when she's babysitting and the kids get abducted and they never get seen again and everything. And she's traumatized from it. And Carol Kane is like kind of doing like a... Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, or or Nev Campbell in Scream Six, or whatever, like kind of like the legacy character who comes back to be like, oh, you're going through this thing that I went through. Let me help you, you know? Yeah. It's really fucking good though. Like I was really impressed. I think it, yeah, I think it's still, I think it's Criterion streaming it. If you get a chance, check it out. It's tight. Like it is a really nicely done thriller. I was like, this is just really solid. Um, I watched. Uh, Burial Ground, which was an Italian zombie movie, which the thing about Italian zombie movies, especially in the eighties, is it gets to the point where like they're more or less the same movie, except for like they each have one hallmark that's very like, oh, 
That's what distinguishes this zombie movie, Italian zombie movie, from this Italian zombie movie. And Burial Ground just has one where it's got this weird incestual relationship between this little boy. He's supposed to be like, I think he's like 12, and his mother. Like, he's in love with his mother. But he's clearly played by like a 20-something-year-old like <laughs> person who's just really fucking weird looking. But like, uh, that was cool. Uh, during I went to the Arrow Horathon on the 28th, and I'd seen a lot of the stuff that it played. Um, but the cool, with the, what they did this year, which they hadn't done previously, was they didn't announce the movies until right before the movie went on. So, like, the first movie was, um, fuck, I'm, I'm already drawing a blank. <laughs> After, it'll take me a second to remember, but the second movie was, uh, Frankenhooker, which is one of my favorites, and then the third movie was Psycho 2, which I hadn't seen in five years. Oh, that's And Psycho 2, Psycho 2, if you haven't seen it, I, I... Look, there are some people out there who believe Psycho 2 is better than Psycho 1, and I could actually make an argument that, like, Psycho 1's the more important movie out of all of them, you know, as far as, like, what it did for film, technically speaking, and, and what it influenced later on. But as a film, I think Psycho 2 is a better movie. And I will tie that in in a second, you know, later on when we're talking about our movie that we watched. Yeah. But, um... It was so great that, like, I and it was just seeing it on the big screen. It was a nice print, and I had got. I was just like, man, I hadn't seen this in so long, um, and I just forgot how great it was. And then a few nights later, my wife and I were gonna after our, you know, we we celebrated our wedding anniversary on the thirtieth, even though we were married on Halloween. But so we went out to dinner and we came home. We were gonna watch a movie and we were gonna watch Psycho Three. And she's like, would I be lost if I didn't see Psycho Two? And then I was just kind of like, you know what? I don't, I don't think it makes a difference. But let's watch Psycho Two instead because it's just. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so we watched it. But I, uh, one of the movies that played was a movie by Jess Franco called Faceless. Oh, yeah. It's an 80s movie starring Helmut Berger. Um, man, man, that movie is lurid and sleazy. And it was like, it was what I needed at that time of night. I was like, man, this movie is just fucking despicable. I'm totally into this. Um, it's basically eyes without a face, but like just sleazier. Yeah. Just really sleazy. And I really dug it. Um, yeah, there used to be this, when Tumblr was in its prime, there used to be this blog of, like, Franco women that I used mm-hmm. to follow, and it was just, like, sleazy snapshots of all the movies, so it was great. It, what a great yeah. blog, but no longer updated, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm, like, You know I'm, what? I'm funny is, my... I forgot I watched it until you mentioned The Raven, but I watched, <laughs> oh, Mike Flanagan. I watched The Fall of the House of Usher. Ooh. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, and it's weird because I'll watch anything he puts out, but I'm a hater. Like, I hate on it. Like, I've, I've hated pretty much everything he's done, which is... And I, I will say I like it at first until it gets to a certain point, and then I'm like, he's do, he does too much. This one was likable. You know what I think, too, is, like, I love Carla Gugino. Um, yeah, she's great. God, she's I... gorgeous still, and, like, I just love her, but... I don't know. Here's the thing is I like some of it and then I hate some of it. And so I can never reconcile that into... I think he always starts strong and then just, for me, he falls apart. He does. It could be good, but like, he just does too much and over explains it. And I'm like, you don't... And And it feels very king to me. It really does. He's probably the closest, which is funny because I still don't believe that king should ever be in charge of adapting his own work into film. I agree with that. Uh, but I think Mike Flanagan is probably the closest to getting what King wants out of a movie or series or whatever, but he just does, that doesn't mean he's good. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and that's how I felt about The Haunting of Hill House, where it was like, mm-hmm. the, its setup was really great, 
there's moments that I thought were fantastic. You know, um, I, I remember being really creeped out when Henry Thomas is telling his kid, like, whatever you see, don't, you know, don't look or whatever, you know, whatever you don't, don't open your eyes or anything or whatever. And if you see something like whatever, and then you just see like a, a flash of an image of something as he's like, as his dad's carrying him out. And I was like, that's fucking terrifying. And then episodes later, you get that full scene explained. And I was like, oh, I liked it a lot better when I didn't know what was going on. And I was scared. Um, the first movie was Dolls, by the way. Uh, the era oh, I, I, that movie scared the shit out of me because I was already afraid of Dolls anyway. Um, it was and fun. So, yeah, it like terrified me. And it's funny because I forgot I watched this recently, but there's a movie called um, When Evil Lurks. Mm. Have you seen it yet? It's new I have heard things. Um, I've heard things. And so now, and it reminds me a little bit of some other areas where I've seen some like exceptionally gory parts of it and then it makes me wonder why von trier gets ton ton of shit like okay when the house that jack built came out there was a unedited version they wanted to give it like an nc7 like a director's cut and then they cut it down to rated r and then i see stuff like when evil lurks which i did like i i think it's very overrated to be honest i did really like it but these two uh, cops or men, I don't even know what they are. They're so insufferable and stupid that, like, you just don't feel bad after a while. You're like, no, these guys deserve to be haunted and terrorized by this demon or rotten, as they're calling. But there are some, like, very exceptionally gory parts where I'm like, how did this get let go? And then Von Trier gets, like, you know, shit on. Or, like, people are puking in their seats or some shit. Like... It's very strange, I think, to see, gro- like, gratuitous violence like that and then s- wonder why these movies weren't cut when others were. Sure. Are. I mean, I've had that argument about movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre compared to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I feel like Raiders of the Lost Ark is a far gorier film. I think, and I'm not, I'm not justifying this at all because I disagree with it, but I think it has to do with tone yeah. and intent. You know, I think that's what the MPA, like decides uh, why something will get get a pass, why something else won't, because it's like, oh, well, the tone of that or the intent of that moment is warrants this rating. I think it's fucking stupid. I've seen, you know, but anyway. Uh, and then, you know, last but not least, on Friday 13th, I showed some, I had some people over and I showed them uh, Night of the Demons because it's a, I think it's a great Halloween movie. Oh, yeah. I watched, I rewatched that one too. Um, and it's funny because I really want to also watch the remake with Edward Furlong. <laughs> We talked about that extensively. I'm like, I know, dude. It's so good. It's not at all. It's so bad. But I like, actually, I, I don't know. I rewatched that. I like it. I like it a lot. And I actually think as far as remakes go, it's not, it doesn't, it's not that bad. Um, I don't think it's a, no, I think it's a, a pretty decent film. Um, it just, it's tough because I think it, it, it does, it, it tries to take some of the things from the original and tries to go to another level with them. And I'm like, I don't think you need to do that. I think in certain cases you could have just like, did something different and it would have like, and you know, like there's the lipstick sequence in the remake where I'm like, yeah, I think the lipstick sequence in the in the original is better because it's just weird. You're like, what the fuck? Whereas like in the remake, it just felt like they were trying to, well, what's the next fucked up thing we can do with it? And it's like, eh, it just didn't work for me. But, um, those are all the things that I watched. I, and which is a lot, you know, um, like I said, and there, 
it's not all the things I watched. Those are just highlights. Um, like I said, I, there was there was one day where I was watching. I watched six movies in a day because some of them were like an hour and five minutes. So I was able to just like get through it. Like Murders in the Room Morgue with Bela Lugosi is a very short film in comparison. So I was able to burn through a lot. Um, but like a friend of mine and I had kind of like a running list of like movies because we were trying to like get through thirty to thirty one horror films in in thirty one days, and we both like just kind of we're trying to one-up yeah, like, each other on point you know like out. well i watched four today well i watched you know i hit 31 movies at like on on the 14th and it's like <laughs> god damn it um but yeah so it was a lot and then um yeah i guess well the reason why i brought up psycho 2 well because uh, so, of the movie we did yeah yes i brought up psycho 2 because uh one of my favorite parts of psycho 2 is meg tilly I think she's just fucking dynamite in that movie and, like, the relationship she has with Anthony Perkins and, like, moments are just really fucking great. Big fan of hers. I'm actually a fan of both her and her sister a lot. Yeah, you know what? For some reason, I guess I didn't really think about it until recently and I was like, Tilly. I was like, is she Jennifer Tilly's sister? And I was like, oh, yeah. They oh, are. there's a moment in the in the movie we watch where I go, if I didn't, if I walked into a room and didn't know any better, I would have said it's Jennifer Tilly, a yeah. younger, you know, what I mean, like it's a specific moment. But I'm like, oh, that's where they look exactly the same. Um, but do you want to talk about the movie we watched? Yeah. So this is we did Body Snatchers, which is the third version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, or I guess the book was called The Body Snatchers. And so I've seen the 78 version, obviously, with Donald Sutherland, and I've seen the 2007 version with Nicole Kidman. I've never seen this one before, but I love Abel Ferreira, even though he kind of sucks, or at least this one kind of sucks. Like, Bad Lieutenant is great. Uh, what else did he do? Oh, King of New Miss York 45. Is great. Miss King 45 is great. But anything, have you seen the stuff that he's done, like, more recently in time no, it's not no, good it's not good no um but i will say i have mixed feelings about this one but you know how i love the 90s cheese but it's also mm-hmm. not good but here's the thing is i love gabrielle anwar or i think that's her name um okay. and she was like my favorite actress growing up because she was in a movie called if looks could kill with richard grieco which is one of the best action films of all time um, and then she was also in a movie called Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, which was my absolute favorite. I rode horses as a kid, and I saw this movie, and it was like, I want to be a horse jumper. I want to jump off big skyscraping, you know, mm. wooden, you know, <laughs> things into a small pool of water on a horse. I thought it was so cool. Um, okay. And she was like an up-and-coming actress at the time. She was in a lot of shit. And Son then she woman. disappeared, or at yeah. least disappeared and then um yeah exactly and for love or money with michael j fox which i also loved um meg tilly is in this which was in psycho 2 i think she's in that chucky series which i haven't watched but you have right well she's in um so jennifer tilly's in in chucky there is an episode that i i I, it's one of my favorite episodes on television the past few years because it's a it's what they call a chucky light episode where he's like not really in the episode like he's they, they'll cut away to him watching the episode, you know, but it's really about Jennifer Tilly's character. And it's kind of hard to explain, but, like, in the Chucky series, Jennifer Tilly is actually possessed by the doll. And so oh. it's not really... It's Jennifer Tilly is... But the doll is playing, pretending to be Jennifer, the real Jennifer Tilly. So at the end of Seed of Chucky, the doll gets into the actress Jennifer Tilly's body and is been pretend is now pretending to be by the show the time we get to the show she you know she is pretending to be Jennifer Tilly like 
showing up at like poker things or like, you know, film related things as Jennifer Tilly. And there's an episode where Jennifer Tilly's having a party and the guests are Meg. Well, it's a surprise party. She doesn't know that these people are going to show up, but it's Joe Pantoliano from mm-hmm. Bound, Gina Gershon from Bound, and Meg Tilly as Meg, all playing themselves. That's funny. And it's really fucking good, and it really fucking cracks me up. Um, and yeah, Meg Tilly's in that episode, and she's just, she's great. Um, That's hilarious. I, yeah, like who, well, this this cast is really funny to me. So there's, there's Meg Tilly, and then there's Terry Kinney, who was in um, Sleepers and Oz. I loved, loved Oz. Okay. Um, Lee, er- how do you say Lee Ermy? Arlie Ermy. I used to say Ermy, Emery, but I know that's wrong. Um, but yes, from Full Metal Jacket, and then uh, of course Forrest Whitaker. What a strange cast! I think um, very strange. But here's uh, the thing: is it's a, it's an alien invasion. If you haven't seen any of the Body Snatchers movie, basically it's like an alien invasion movie, except the aliens are like organisms that replicate mm-hmm. your body. As you're sleeping, so they go in with their little like wormy hands, tendrils, whatever you want to call them, um, and then they kill you, and then they replace you with their new alien body. Um, they're also void of emotion, very scary, uh, very scary stuff. So this mm-hmm. one, this one was really funny. I think the ending made me fucking cackle. Um, it was hilarious to me in certain ways it is scary i did like how the bodies dissolved um when you know you killed them um or the the fake alien bodies i don't know Mm -hmm. um so it was a bit gory i did like also the swampiness of it and i feel like i had thought i'd never seen it but you know when you're like maybe i did when i was younger like did i see this it would make sense if i did but it might just be mixed up with the other body snatcher movies Mm -hmm. this one i feel like might be my least favorite over the Nicole Kidman one I really like the Nicole Kidman one to be honest Nicole Kidman and what's his face Bond Daniel Craig is that his name was he in that I thought it was Clive Owen oh yeah, yeah. I guess Daniel Craig no okay. it's not it's it's the other guy okay so I I remember liking that one a little bit more even though I love the 90s cheese there's like there's a few things that make me laugh in this movie. Um, the ending, for one. And I know, yeah, I know I'm the part you're talking it, about. But yeah, where the little boy and he's like, throw him off, and she's like wrestling the little alien, you know, yeah, yeah. boy, and then she chucks him off the helicopter, and he's like, it's a great like green screen, but like you could tell that it, they couldn't make a little boy fall, you know what I mean? So he's just like yeah. squirming, and then he's like. Blah, 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 at her scream, and it's yeah. so fucking funny um yeah. the scream is terrifying if you guys don't know that like when an alien finds out that you're a human they point and then they let out this like blood curdling scream which i thought was scary True. that was probably the scariest part to me i don't like those noises yeah i mean it's a weird this one's weird for me because i the 70 um the 78 version is what is one of my all-time favorite horror films like i actually get scared watching that that one creeps me out like really bad yeah um i don't know why i mean i i do know why and and i'll get into that in a second but this one it's like the problem i have with this one is the so the original the one with kevin mccarthy which is fantastic which is amazing it's uh takes place in like a small town like a like a suburb 
And then yeah. the remake takes place in San Francisco. And what's great about the remake is there's a moment in the remake where Kevin McCarthy's character from the original kind of shows up in the remake as like kind of picking up where he left off where we last saw him. And it's, it's a really nice like continuity tie, but, um, 78 takes place in San Francisco. And then, um, this one takes place on a military base and there's something about, I, I, I think on one hand it's really cool the idea of like because military a part of a lot of the thing with the military thing is there there is a lot of conformity you're you're walking you're you are walking in unison you're you're you know when you're doing your cadence you're doing it in unison like it's all about like one body one you know what I mean like am I making any sense with yeah. the military where it's like you are like one single organism that's like you know made up of different people and I, I so I kind of like the idea of tying that into this whole like idea of like these this invading conformity. alien conformity yeah. exactly I just it's the locale where I'm like man like it's so much scary to me when you have it in like a big city and you think of like oh I, there's all these different places I can go to to for safety but all of those places are being taken away from you because everybody's falling victim to this like invasion you know what I mean um yeah I don't feel that way on the military base well no and then there's also an issue of like uh like safety because I think a lot of especially any zombie or alien movies people are always looking to the military to help and then Mm -hmm. when the military is the first thing that's taken it kind of sets the tone for what's going to happen with the rest of the world I agree with that and so I, I I guess what I'm saying is like I understand why they went that approach what I didn't understand, I just didn't like the lo- like the the setting. It, for me, the setting just didn't yeah. have as much punch to me as like a small suburb, which we could all like a lot of people can relate to, a city which a lot of people can relate to, a military base. I really can't. I don't know. And I liked so one of the other cast members is Christina Lee. She's also in. She was from Chucky Child's Play too. Oh, She's yeah, also in the yeah, show Chucky. Yeah. yeah, I totally forgot about her. She plays the wild girl who's like friends with the punk like rocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they keep talking about her as being a punk rocker and everything, but um, and she's Arlie Army's daughter in this, and uh, and Billy Worth who plays like the love interest, like the helicopter pilot. Um, he was in the Lost Boys. He's one of David's gang. Um. Oh, but, okay. I was like, he looks really familiar, but I couldn't recall anything that he was in. And now and I was like, maybe he's just handsome. And I think he just that, he like, gets he's the one that Corey Haim kills with a bow and arrow, and the guy flies into the speak yeah. stereo, and he dies. Yeah, that's him. Um, death by stereo. Death by stereo, right? But there are moments in this movie I think are really good. You know, I really like. There's a yeah. moment where Forrest Whitaker, he's like completely oh, okay. unraveling, and he's on the phone, is- and they. It's a callback to the the seventy eight version where seventy eight version like Donald Sutherland picks up the phone, he goes try to make a place an outbound call, and the operator is like says like says, you know responds to him by name, and he's like I didn't tell you my name. How do you know my name? He's just freaking out. That scene in the seventy eight one really freaks the hell out of me. I don't know why. The Lawrence the, the Forrest Whitaker one didn't hit me the same way, but I liked that they threw that in there as like a nod to the seventy eight one. Well um, because like okay, so here's the thing. I do like it and I don't, but the thing about Abel Ferreira though is he has these like really grandiose, dramatic like pieces in his movies, like I think of Bad Lieutenant and like, you know, where people just start freaking out, like a very natural human response where they fucking lose it. And a yeah. few of the characters do that in this, which I do like. And I felt that it was very Abel Ferreira rather than a horror movie. Like, you have some guy just losing his fucking shit and he starts, like, sure. freaking out. And that's what I felt it was rather than than a horror freakout, if you will, if that makes sense. Sure. And the interesting thing really to me... really good at, like, yeah. 
Yeah, the interesting thing to me about this movie, and I tried, I like was looking all over the place trying to find more information about this, but I really couldn't, is that Stuart Gordon, who directed Reanimator from Beyond, he was originally supposed to direct this. He's also listed as one of the screenwriters on this, of this movie. The other, one of the other screenwriters is somebody that Abel Ferreira works with. So obviously, when they brought Abel Ferreira in, he um, he brought his own screenwriter in. I re- I read an interview with Abel Ferreira where he was talking about how he didn't like the setting of this Body Snatchers. Um, but he loved the story so much that he was constantly trying to, like... Warner Brothers just kept, like, fucking with him and fucking with him and, like, making all these changes in the editing room. And he was just, like... He was like, I love this story so much that it made me want to fight for it. But I never... I always had a problem with, the you know, the military ba- base setting. Yeah. He wanted to bring it... He would, he would have, like... I would have put it back into a small town. Like, that's where it's really good. Um... And I agree with that. Like, again, like, it's, there's something that gets missing when you, when, when you, you do, do it, when, yeah. you, when you do that. Um, and, and there, look, look, there's also some great moments. Um, Meg Tilly has that monologue, which is fantastic. The, where are you going to go? Who, where are you going to yeah. go? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. That whole fucking like little speech she gives to her husband, basically being like, you're fucked. Like we're everywhere. I love that moment. I think that's a really solid moment. Um, I also like seeing the process of how the pod people become, like how they inf- not infect you, but like take over. Like I liked because in the in the seven in the original and in the seventy eight one, you only kind of see the aftermath. You you see like you know, there's a moment in seventy eight one where you kind of see Jeff Goldblum kind of formed as a pod person, but then he just disintegrates. This is a little bit more graphic, yeah. where it's like the tendrils like going into your fucking. I loved all that. I thought that was great. Um, it did have I, a very uh, Nightmare in Elm Street where she's in the bath and then you see mm-hmm. instead of the hand it's a fucking it's like little wormy things Ten- yeah like it's, I love that it's really fucking gross it's I love it that is, I think it yeah I think it's a really it was a really nice um, it was a, it was a, if, if you're gonna do it sure you know go for it do you, I think you needed to do it no because you didn't need to do it in the 78 one the 78 one's fucking terrifying I like them bringing yeah, back nice this little... <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's it's, it's exactly nice what detail. it is sure um I think it's funny to me because I feel like my problem with this one having been directed by Abel Ferreira is that one of the things I like about especially his movies in the 90s is that all of his major main characters kind of like whether it's Harvey Keitel in The Bad Lieutenant or Lily Taylor in The Addiction, which the whole movie is is her going through this. It's like this weird existential philosophical crisis. They don't really kind of dive into it. It's like the movie is about like losing your identity, losing your sense of like who you are. Forrest Whitaker has a tiny moment about that, but I felt like with Abel Ferreira, like I thought that was what he would kind of make the whole thing about. And yeah. it didn't... I, I mean, there was two moments where I was like the Forrest Whitaker moment where he's talking about when they're trying to convince him to just like put the gun down or anything like that. And he's talking about, you know, identity is important. You know, who I am is important, you know, what all that stuff. Um, there's also a great scene where the little brother in the beginning goes to his daycare and the teacher's like, all right, show your pictures. And they all, like, that's, I was a great, I was like, that's a great fucking moment. And I, I thing is I had seen this movie before, but I hadn't seen it in 20 years. So I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. when you suggested, I was like, Oh, I'll give it another go. Um, I just remember it not. I remember being disappointed when I saw it the first time because I'm like, this isn't. I feel like Abel Ferrer could have gone farther, and and yeah, there's a possibility that he. I think from what his he was saying in his interview, he did, and Warner Bros. was like, no, no we're no, just no. trying to make yeah. a fucking yeah, you know, and and I would have liked to have seen that. 
I would have liked to have seen that from Abel Ferrer, especially considering this was his first movie after Bad Lieutenant. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like, there's moments I like, I don't, I've read a lot of people online who've revisited this movie and they're like, oh, it's probably my favorite one. I think it's the scariest one. There's a sense of dread. And I'm like, yeah, there's a sense of dread. Yeah, but I think nothing that said it was the scariest one to him, and I'm I'm very surprised because I I still think the scariest one for me is the '78 one. But yeah, it's I don't know what it is about that movie that like there's a sense of hopelessness at the end of the at the end of the original and the end of the '78 one. This one is kind of like I don't really get that. Like I know that like it's an ominous thing where the you know the helicopter's landing. She's got this narration where she's talking about how much she hates the invaders, and it's like and so you know that like she's still as as of her narration, she is still human because she feels this like visceral emotion. And I know that when when she when they land the helicopter, we're supposed to be like, oh shit. It's already it's already spread. It's starting, yeah. But I don't feel that. Whereas in at the end of the '78 version, I'm just like, oh man, like I am so bummed at the end of that movie. But in a good way, where I'm like, fuck, that's so fucking scary. That movie sits with me, you know. I don't want to give away yeah. the '78 movie to anyone. All I all I can say is this: is that I remember when I rewatched it when I was uh, in my 20s. I took a picture mm-hmm. of the the very famous scene from it, and I tacked it up to my roommate's door. And then, because she was out drinking and everything like that, or out at a bar or whatever, and I just went, I went, I was at home, and I was just, like, bored, and so I tacked it up on her, on her door, and then I was just, like, doing my thing, you know, in my bedroom, and then I just heard her, like, come home, and I heard her shriek, and I was like, all right, cool, (laughs) I was like, you know, but, like, that, I mean, it's just a really powerful moment in the original one, the ending, and I just didn't feel that same oomph from this, from the, uh, from the Ferrer one. No, I use the end marquee you know the end it's the end which is funny and it could just be like i don't know i agree the ending was like i get her mon her monologue and then it ends with like the soldier and you're like is it a taken soldier or is it a regular soldier and you kind of like it leaves it off to like whatever you feel yeah. but i did think it was pretty funny um less scary i was just kind of like oh, okay um, and, and the thing I, is, the thing, I, I guess I was more disappointed, be, but it could just be, like you said, a, something of editing where like, yeah. and, and there, I will spoil this part from the 78 version. There is a scene where the main character, Donald Sutherland's character, this woman that he's in love with, like they're straight, they're trying to stay up all night. They're trying to whatever. And then like, finally, like he goes to her and she just crumbles apart in his hands. And then the, the doppelganger, the, the pod person version of her pops up and starts like you know taunting him you know and it's like mm-hmm. and but the heartbreak he feels when like he has this you know this person that he loves and he's just lost them I do not get that feeling from the little brother it's so ludicrous to me where it's like you could have done that moment differently but having this like weird like ragdoll fighting this like helicopter pilot and it's just like it's it's <laughs> It's it, having a little Chucky doll fighting you, and yeah, you throw it out the window. That's what it it's like, like, yeah. But that what I'm saying is like that moment could have been done so much differently, and so much more like where you just feel this like this girl's loss, and I do not feel that way. I'm like, the moment like you know because I hadn't seen it again in 20 years, I hadn't really given much thought of it. When he's like when they're escaping the helicopter, and he's like running up, he's like wait for me. I'm like oh come on. I'm like, come the fuck on! I'd be like, see a kid, sorry, you know. But she's like, oh, she gets him on the, pl- <laughs> she gets him on the hell. Your little I brother, do- imagine your little brother, your little baby brother running after you and being like, wait, wait. 
I've locked my little brother in the closet one time and blasted Black Sabbath just to scare the shit out of him, and it worked. I mean, like, I feel bad. I, I totally fucked him up as a, as <laughs> a kid. But like, torture in, like, Guantanamo Bay and some shit. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had a really... I had a Crypt Keeper doll that, like, would talk, and he was terrified of it, and I would just fuck with him so bad all the time. I was a pretty mean older brother, to come to think of it. But, um, no, what I mean is that, like, it was just so obvious that, like, that kid's not for real. Do you know what I mean? Like I thought he was I, for a second because at the be- at least in the beginning or at least during the time, like he's the first one who notices them and he escapes from his preschool. You know, so yeah. like you know, little babies can be crafty, but I for a second thought he might have escaped and he was like, wait for me, and then he just started attacking. Yeah. And, and that it just it was just so ludicrous and like I, what I'm saying is like that scene could have been like they could have done that scene differently to make you believe oh he is normal he is a real person and then do the little and just I just don't think you needed to have that little struggle in the helicopter because again it's ridiculous and if they just toss him it would have been one thing if they just toss him out the window and he's got this you know he just has this sad look on his face I'd be like oh I feel bad but instead he's just pointing and just shrieking on his way down I'm like <laughs> all right well and and. So I get it. People feel like it's more there's a there's a sense of dread in it, but I'm like, yeah, there is in the original, the remake. Um, I don't think I even got through all of the Nicole Kidman ones, so you know, in fairness, I I shouldn't critique that one. But um, it 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 just was missing something. I, like I said, there's moments I really yeah. enjoy, but when it becomes a kind of like an action movie towards the end, when there's like the, the whole chase thing, it's just I'm watching a movie that's remaking two movies that didn't need any of that stuff to get its point across and to be scary. And I feel like, so I feel like when you turn it into this kind of like, oh, and then there's these like military guys and they're chasing, it's just kind of like this weird chase sequence at the end. I'm just like, I don't need it. Don't fucking need it, man. Like, um, yeah. so that was my, uh, that was my, how I felt about Abel Ferreira's Body Snatchers. Worth That's seeing. Funny. Worth seeing. Cause I do think there's some really strong moments Meg Tilly's moment, like I said, her speech is chilling. Um, but yeah, that was it. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but it's definitely not one of my favorites. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, um, you can see it on Criterion, which is, I imagine, where what gave you the idea. Criterion did a great '90s horror. Yeah, it was. It it totally it totally is on Criterion. I, for a second, I thought it was on movie, but you're right. I watched it because. They have the art house horror section, and then they have the 90s section, and each mm-hmm. one of them is, like, really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like I said, like, uh, Dust Devil and When a Stranger Calls Back, I both watched on Criterion, and so there's and they still have it up there. But, yeah, check it out, man, because there's some great moments. But the moment I was going to say, real quickly before I forget, the moment where I was like, oh, that, that's clear. I would have walked in the room and thought that was Jennifer Tilly is when Meg Tilly's doing the scream. She looks just like Jennifer Tilly in that moment. Um, yeah, she really does. Which makes sense, you know. Um, but Easter's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, a little so, sad that her career didn't go as. I think that was by choice. I think she opted oh, really? out of well, that. I and yeah, she, I mean, yeah. Makes sense. Now she's a writer. She's a she writes, I think, children's books. And her sister, aside from Chucky, is a poker player. Like Jennifer oh, yeah, Tilly's no, like, fuck it, won, I make like, way yeah. Yeah, she she's like a really she's actually like a world renowned poker player. She like plays in the world tournaments and stuff. It's like really cool. Like fuck yeah. Yeah. If, if anyone's yeah. gonna have a poker face, it's gonna be an actress. So. Good point. 
good point. You know, it's sad to me that I never, I never put that together, but until you just said that, but yeah, it's a very good argument. Um, but yeah, so that, check it out. Um, Abel Ferreira's body snatchers also on criterion Abel Ferreira's the addiction, which I think is a pretty fucking solid movie, uh, worth he's checking out. He's got some out. hits. No, no, he's got some yeah. He's got some yeah, I haven't seen anything he's done recently, but you know. Yeah, those That's are bad. Me. Don't don't watch those. <laughs> All right, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. That was our our first episode back in a while, but we'll see yeah. you. We'll see you around. We'll then. see you soon. Bye. Bye. There's something in the air, and it feels like fear. There's something in the night, and it seems like terror. There's someone in your bed, and it looks like you. Life will be simpler now. The only thing missing will be you. Mommy! What's the matter, honey? What's the matter? There's Mommy. She's right there. What happened? I've seen people at the infirmary exhibiting paranoia. People afraid to sleep. Get in bed. Afraid of family members. Let it go! People afraid of themselves. We gotta go right now! Come on, Marty, let's get out of here. They're out there. They're everywhere. Is that my dad? gonna go where are you gonna run where are you gonna hide nowhere because there's no one like you left body snatchers the invasion continues they'd kill to be you